0: a digital health podcast. I'm Christina Wayman, Senior Editor of the Journal, and I'm joined today by Pavan Malakarjan, who has published a new paper with us today, Development and Validation of Multivariable Prediction Models of Remission, Recovery and Quality of Life Outcomes in People with First Episode Psychosis, a Machine Learning Approach. Pavan Malakarjan is a Senior Lecturer and Consultant Psychiatrist at the Institute of Mental Health at the University of Birmingham. Hi, Pavan.
1: Hi, Christina. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: Oh, thank you. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, I'm an academic psychiatrist and I work uh, at the University of Birmingham at the Institute for Mental Health uh, for my academic role and as a consultant psychiatrist in early intervention psychosis service in Birmingham.
0: So to get started, would you be able to give us an outline of your manuscript with us?
1: Okay, thank you. So, you know that first episode psychosis uh, the, the outcomes in first-episode psychosis can be highly heterogeneous. Um, long-term studies, the reviews of long-term studies have identified that remission can, be, uh, can vary between 58% and recovery is usually around 38%. So the problem clinical services have is uh, when we can't reliably identify patients at the first clinical contact so we would like to know which of the patients will have good recovery and which who who of those patients will not have good recovery so we took a machine learning approach where we used supervised machine learning on the eden dataset which is the longest uh, which is the largest cohort study of first episode psychosis uh, around 1027 patients have been followed up for at least a year and what we did was we used the clinical and demographic variables which are which were collected in that Uh, cohort study, and we developed algorithms for predicting four outcomes, uh, sorry, or outcomes in four domains, including the remission outcome for symptoms, the social recovery, vocational recovery, and quality of life. So once these four algorithms were developed, we validated these algorithms on two Scottish data sets, as well as on an independent data set from the OPUS study. So these were both on first episode psychosis. The Scottish data set was from Early Intervention Psychosis Service, whereas the OPUS study was uh, an RCT comparing assertive intensive treatment versus treatment as usual. And what we found was that our prediction models can reliably and prospectively identify people at risk of poor remission and recovery outcomes at one year. So we could use these models in our clinical practice after testing in a prospective trial to streamline these patients to receive appropriate interventions.
0: Let's just get straight into the details of your, of your study. So what inspired you to do the study given previous publications in first episode psychosis and machine learning?
1: So the problem we were trying to solve in our clinical service is what inspired me to consider using machine learning to predict outcomes in first episode psychosis. And we knew that fifteen to twenty percent of patients with first episode psychosis just have a single episode and recover completely. And there are a third of patients who go on to have treatment resistance and poor recovery. So as a service, we were looking to personalize our service to individuals based on their need rather than provide all individual all interventions to all patients. So we needed a tool to identify patients with good and poor outcomes very early on in their illness so that we can tailor-make the interventions. We tried using you know, group-level predictors identified by systematic reviews, but that didn't work. We tried using rating scales, that didn't help us much either. So when I was reading about the curious algorithm for predict, prediction of cardiovascular disease, it sparked my interest in using artificial intelligence and machine learning, and I wanted to see if that would help with outcome prediction. Now there are many studies which have used neuroimaging data to do outcome prediction, but this requires an individual with first episode psychosis to have an MRI, which can be very difficult in the early phase of first episode psychosis. There is only one study which had used routine clinical variables, though it was not externally validated. So I was interested, and plus had access to the Eton dataset, which was collected in our site along with 13 other sites in the UK. And the PI of that study, Professor Max Birchwood, who worked with us in our service, provided us the data which set us off. And, of course, Professors Gumbly and Nordendorf provided us the data for validation studies, which helped us as well.
0: Your your talk of imaging there brings me on quite nicely to my second question, which was, um, why was it important to you to only use the clinical and demographic variables in the model? You didn't use imaging, as you say, or other biomarkers.
1: But I think use of clinical and demographic variables was useful because these are patient-reported variables which are similar to what is routinely collected in clinical practice. This means that whatever algorithms or models we developed, it's easy to replicate this work in routine settings without requiring much change to the existing settings. And this may be more acceptable to clinicians and patients. Having said that, in an ideal world, we would have liked to use as much data, including neuroimaging and blood biomarkers during development of algorithms the studies we used did not collect neuroimaging or blood biomarkers. So we uh, we were restricted by the non-availability of these biomarkers.
0: So do you think though that, that these um, imaging or blood biomarkers would improve the predictions provided by the model? And if so, how would you see your model incorporating these in the future?
1: So intuitively, the more data you have, the better it is for developing prediction models. So having biomarkers, including neuroimaging bio-blood biomarkers, alongside clinical variables will definitely improve the predictions, though this is yet to be established in research studies involving first-episode patients. There was a study by Kostelaris in 2018. They established the combined use of neuroimaging and baseline clinical data, improved social functioning outcome prediction by 6% compared to using baseline clinical data alone, but that was done in clinical high-risk rate for psychosis rather than first-episode psychosis. The trade-off between improvement in prediction performance versus the cost and effort involved in obtaining biomarkers like MRI scans or blood parameters has to be balanced. We also have to be mindful that for majority of first-episode psychosis patients who largely live in the low- and middle-income countries access to MRI and bl- blood tests may be limited or too expensive. So on balance, the enhanced performance of prediction mol- models has to be balanced with the economics of its utility. Having said that, we have developed this algorithm, and we can add more data, and the models can be dynamically uh, tested and balanced routinely. Uh, so I think we, with to this model, we can add as, as much data as we want, and we can keep testing and validating whether this will improve the performance of the algorithms in the future.
0: So, if my understanding is correct, the these patients that you you developed the algorithm on in your study, these were first presentation of first episode psychosis, so these patients wouldn't have had treatment yet. Is that right?
1: Or oh, they would have just started treatment. This is first clinical contact. Yes.
0: So that would then lead me on to my question of, um, would there be confounding with treatment and and that the fact that first-line therapy differs in different countries?
1: Yeah, to answer your question, we know that from reviews of long-term studies, remission rates have improved over time because there have been newer treatments, newer medications that have been developed, but the recovery rates have not. So the treatment would be a confounding for the remission outcome, though may, maybe not as much for the recovery outcomes. To go back to your question, the remission and recovery rates are similar, if you look at the two UK-based studies we've used, they're similar in those two UK-based studies. But in the Danish study, it's slightly lower. The UK-based studies, for the UK-based studies, the patients were recruited from early intervention services, which are known to provide treatment of similar standard. And OPUS was of a RCT of standard care versus assertive out, uh, intervention. So this could be used as an evidence against the confounding effect of treatment. In an ideal scenario, developing and validating the models on samples derived from standardized services, like either early intervention services within UK or a similar service from Australia or America, uh, would help avoid the confounding effect of uh, treatments, because all patients will receive standardized treatments in these services.
0: So in your methods, you describe four different algorithms, um, these multiple prediction models. Um, and so how do you see them being integrated into practice as their separate entities?
1: So previous research has found that symptom remission alone does not pre- predict long-term recovery. And for young people with psychosis, they have repeatedly voiced, and this is uh, recorded in research as well, that vocational recovery, like getting back into a job or getting back to education, and social recovery is more important than controlling symptoms or symptom remission. The current guidance for treatment, including the National Institute of Clinical Excellence guidance for psychosis and schizophrenia, advocates the simultaneous use of pharmacological, psychological, and social interventions early on in the illness trajectory to improve recovery in these patients. And our knowledge of individual prediction of remission, rec- social and vocational recovery, um, she suggests that it would help to help us personalize pharmacological, psychological, and social interventions to individuals with first episode psychosis. And that is the reason we created multiple prediction models. Now, after we sent it for reviews, one of the reviewers helpfully highlighted whether one of the models could end up predicting all four outcomes. So we ended up testing this and found that each of the prediction models could predict the other three outcomes, albeit with reduced performance. So some people may consider that this is an acceptable trade-off. And also thinking with my clinician's hat on, in clinical practice, a simpler prediction model which would predict multiple outcomes is probably uh, would lead to better engagement and utilization by clinicians. So I think we may end up with one prediction model, which will predict multiple outcomes.
0: We we talk about models and the remission outcomes, but what does this mean for the actual individual patient? Are there clear subgroups of patients that you can see using these models?
1: So for an individual patient with first-episode psychosis, we can use this prediction models and obtain a probability of risk of particular outcome. For example, we can can suggest that they have a 75% probability that they'll have a good outcome or that they'll have a poor outcome on occasional recovery or on quality of life. So intervention can be tailor-made for that particular individual. That is the key bit of using machine learning to predict outcomes. Which we couldn't have done using the group-level predictors that we used to collect uh, calculate before. Now, in terms of clear subgroups of patients, there are two groups that come to my mind immediately. The first is the group with good remission and recovery outcomes. So this is around 15 to 20 percent of patients with first episode psychosis. So these are patients who have just one episode, and the, epi- the symptoms resolve completely, and they recover completely as well. So these are, if we can identify these individuals with probability of good outcome, then they could have limited number of interventions for a shorter period of time and get back to their life without being engaged in mental health services. Now, more importantly, the second group, which is the group with risk of poor remission or recovery outcomes, they need to be identified early on so that we can take an evidence-based, stepwise, intensive interventions to improve the outcomes for them, starting at the very early stage of their illness. It is known that people with treatment-resistant psychosis are likely to be offered evidence-based treatment like clozapine at least four years or longer after the onset of their illness. Using our prediction models, we could reduce the time to intensive treatments like clozapine or intensive rehabilitation early on, giving them a much better chance at recovery.
0: Okay, and and so you touched on the earlier in in our podcast about next steps. So what are those next steps? What needs to be done to move towards integration of these models into the clinic?
1: So evidence-based medical guidelines recommend four steps in establishing a validated predictive tool. So the first step is selecting the variables. Second step is validating at a single site. Third step is validating at different sites, and fourth step is establishing the impact on clinical practice. So with our study, we've established the first three steps, and the next step would be to establish the impact on clinical practice via a prospective control trial. So this would establish the acceptability, effectiveness, and cost effectiveness of using prediction algorithms in first-episode psychosis. Before we do that, there are some ethical questions of using prediction models to inform clinici- clinical decision-making that has to be addressed. These questions include whether patients with first-episode psychosis would like to know their prediction risk of good or poor outcomes, and what are their views on sharing data on the outcome risk predictions, and how would, la- how would they like to be communicated about this risk? How would they like us to communicate about this risk to their family members or carers, and to other health professionals. We feel that future work could address this by undertaking a qualitative study involving patients with first-episode psychosis, carers, and clinicians. This is an important step before we integrate the prediction models into clinical practice. So I'm very excited that we are not very far from providing personalized treatment for individuals with first-episode psychosis based on their individualized outcome prediction. This would help individual outcomes and also would lead to better utilization of clinical resources.
0: That's really exciting. Thank you so much for for joining me today. And thank you for listening. You can listen to the paper out now at the Lancet Digital Health, Development and Validation of Multivariable Prediction Models of Remission, Recovery, and Quality of Life Outcomes in People with First-Episode Psychosis, a Machine Learning Approach Now. Thank you for listening.